Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello, my angels, and welcome back to the Balance Bond Podcast, Soul on Fire. By the time you listen to this, I will be in Bali taking a social media break and podcast break and everything else to work on healing my body, my skin, my health, my everything. And I couldn't possibly be looking forward to it more. I'm so excited. And I'm just so grateful to have you guys here listening and supporting me from afar. And I can't wait to do some solo episodes on my Bali adventure and all of that good stuff. But for now, before we get into all of the Bali stuff and all of the solo episode excitement in a couple of weeks. I have a lot of amazing guests lined up for you guys. Some doctors who have completely changed my life, including today's guest who we will get into. Also some dear friends of mine, my shamanic facialist. We have all sorts of exciting things coming your way and I couldn't, couldn't be more excited about it. So I will introduce you to today's guest, Dr. Frank Lippman. You may have heard of him because he is one of the most well-known functional and integrative medicine doctors in the world. He was also one of the first functional medicine doctors because he started integrating Western and Eastern medicine before functional medicine was even a term. So when he came to the U.S. from South Africa in 1984, he was working like any other medical student, doing all the Western medicine stuff. He was taught to treat the disease versus the patient. And over time, he just didn't really agree with that anymore. So he started studying acupuncture and Chinese medicine and herbs and functional medicine and so many other ancient healing philosophies and wound up creating his own practice by 1992. He opened his wellness center in New York and fast forward to now, he is a best-selling author. He has five or six books. One of them just came out. It's called How to Be Well. It's all about the six keys to living a happy and healthy life. I have a few copies here. So we're actually going to be hosting a giveaway for those of you who are kind enough to take time out of your day to rate and review this podcast in iTunes and then email me a screenshot to jordan at thebalancebond.com 
you will be entered to win one of Frank's books, which will totally change your life. He is all about the same types of philosophies that we are about here in the Soul on Fire community all the way to meditation and yoga. And he is just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to medicine and the gut and yeast and so many other things. So of course, when he walked into my apartment a couple of weeks ago to record this episode, he basically took one look at me and he said, Jordan, you are a beautiful young woman and your skin is very messed up. So we need to help you out. And I can't even tell you how much I appreciate the time that he took with me to go over my health and call his office and order me a bunch of supplements and check in on me. He's checked on me probably three or four times since he left and his genuine interest in my health and well-being and my skin because many of you know I have suffered from horrible hives and eczema, just these debilitating flare-ups for the last couple of months. His genuine interest in my health speaks volumes about him as a person, the way that he treats all of his patients, even pseudo patients like myself. And fun fact, Rachel Mansfield, who many of you know from her amazing food blog, who also happens to be one of my best friends and a major recurring co-host on this podcast, she sees Frank as her doctor in New York, which is pretty awesome. So... I just thought that you guys would like that fun fact. He's helped her a lot. He does acupuncture on her and so many other cool things. So anyway, I won't ramble on and on about Dr. Frank Lippman because you guys will really enjoy this conversation, his amazing accent, and so many other things that we talked about. So before we dive into the episode full throttle, I wanted to take a second to thank our sponsor, Thrive Market. So if you guys haven't heard me talk about Thrive, then you might not know that if you go to thrivemarket.com slash you will be able to get $60 worth of free groceries, free shipping, and a free 30-day trial to their website. And that is no strings attached. That's not like a giveaway or something where only a couple people get free groceries. It's literally available to every single person listening because Thrive Market is incredible. And beyond that offer, they also offer 25 to 50% off of everything on their site all of the time. So imagine grocery shopping at Whole Foods or Erewhon or Vons or I don't know. I don't know where other people grocery shop. Maybe Ralph's, all these different places. Imagine grocery shopping and buying all the things that you usually buy, like coconut oil and coconut aminos and essential oils and nuts and ghee and supplements, beauty supplements, all those different things. I'm just kind of naming all the things that I usually buy at the grocery store. Imagine being able to shop online, 
Get 25 to 50% off just completely because they go straight to the brand and there isn't a middleman. And having all of those items shipped directly to your door so you don't even have to leave the comfort of your home. It's pretty incredible. That's why I've fallen in love with Thrive Market and I'm very excited for you guys to fall in love as well. I know that you will if you haven't already. So a couple of my favorite brands on Thrive are Forth and Heart. I think you guys have heard me talk about Forth and Heart Ghee a lot. I use it in everything from kitchery, which is one of my go-to meals. You can find that recipe on my blog to roasting vegetables, to putting it in my matcha in the morning to make a bulletproof matcha, which I have really, really gotten into ever since cutting coffee out of my life. Speaking of cutting out coffee, they also have mushroom coffee for Sigmatic. They have my favorite skincare, Coco Kind, which was created by my friend Priscilla, who is incredible. They have so much stuff. So head to thrivemarket.com slash blonde to get your hands on $60 worth of free groceries, free shipping, and a free 30-day trial. And let me know what you think. I cannot wait to hear. And keep tagging me in your Thrive Market photos and videos on your Instagrams and Instagram stories. All of that really makes my day and has made me so happy. So without further ado, let's head into this episode with Frank. You guys are going to love him. He's going to blow your mind. Okay, guys, I am sitting here with Dr. Frank Lippman, an amazing functional medicine doctor, acupuncturist, and all sorts of other awesome things. He has a new book out called How to Be Well, The Six Keys to a Happy and Healthy Life. He's already a New York Times bestselling author. Dr. Lippman, it's such an honor to have you here. Thanks for coming over to do the podcast. Lovely to be here. Yes. And for everybody listening, you guys will love this. Dr. Lippman walked into my apartment and we immediately started talking about my health and what's going on with my skin and my gut and all of that. And he started helping me right off the bat. We ordered a bunch of supplements and he suggested that I tweak my diet a bit. So I'm very grateful to have such an amazing doctor here to help me and share his wisdom. So thank you. You're welcome. So should we tell people your journey, just kind of how you got into functional medicine? What was your background before that? Okay, so I started a long time ago. I qualified as a doctor in 1979 in South Africa. A long time ago. And uh, I was a traditional doctor and I trained like a traditional doctor in the hospital where you learn crisis care medicine, where you learn to take care of very sick patients, people having heart attacks, pneumonias, appendicitis, they break their bones, and the training was very good for that. And then I went to work, I was in South Africa, I went to work in the bush for 18 months, and once again, the training was very good for that. But during that time in South Africa, I got exposed to traditional healers and I saw that they were helping some people, so that opened my eyes a bit. 
and then uh, came back to work in a private practice in Johannesburg in this in the city. People were coming to the practice complaining of skin problems and gut problems and headaches. They couldn't poop and they were tired and they couldn't sleep. Didn't know how to treat them because I wasn't trained to do that. My training, like all doctors, is in crisis care. And I realized that if I wanted to help these patients, I'm going to have to seek out other alternatives because my, my training wasn't helpful. And it happened to be there was one acupuncturist in town and there were homeopaths and I was working in a practice that was the artsy practice of Johannesburg and these people were seeking out alternatives and they were coming in and they had these problems and they would say, well, I went to the acupuncturist and it helped or I went to the homeopath and it helped. So I realized then that I needed to explore more. And then when I came to the United States in 1984, I had to do a residency in internal medicine and the same thing happened. In the hospital, we were seeing sick patients and my training was fantastic for that. But when they would come to the outpatient clinic, they weren't really being helped because they were coming with these chronic problems and day-to-day problems that we weren't well trained for. And there happened to be an acupuncture clinic next to the hospital doing detox, acupuncture detox. Because in 1984, it's probably before most of your time, <laughs> uh, it was New York, or the South Bronx was a crack and heroin epidemics were around then. So I thought, well, let me go check out the acupuncture clinic. And I went to, over to the acupuncture clinic and I was just blown away by um, what I saw there and I started getting into acupuncture. And so in the mid-80s, I started learning Chinese medicine while I was doing my training. So I was doing my training in the hospital and seeing where Western medicine worked well. And then I started training in Chinese medicine and I saw how Chinese medicine helped a completely different type of patient. And I realized then that the future of medicine would be some combination of the two. And then I went exploring. After I finished my residency, I continued learning Chinese medicine, but I went to study nutrition and yoga and meditation and herbs. And I just went to seek whatever I thought would help me in the future as a doctor. But in those days, there were no big schools or this was... It was a very small subculture of people doing it. So I had to seek out my own teachers, which I did, and I found amazing teachers. And that was a long time ago. And the journey, just as you do this more and more, you get better and better and you refine it. And now we have a whole system called functional medicine. And so that's what I do. I do a lot of what I've learned over the last 30-odd years and incorporate it into my practice. Wow. So you've been doing this for a long time. Uh-huh. And when did functional medicine become a thing? Well, functional medicine, I met Jeff Bland in the, in the late 80s. Um, and he was already teaching some doctors and chiropractors what was, was sort of being called functional medicine, but not really. It was, he was just giving lectures on, on, sort of a Western perspective in a way of Chinese medicine of how to improve function and how to create balance. And that developed into functional medicine. And I think functional medicine really became a thing probably in the either the late 90s or the early 2000s. So recent. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the approach that really mixes 
the Eastern. Well, it, it mixes the philosophy. It, it it's mixes the, the biochemistry and physiology of Western medicine with the concepts of Chinese medicine of how to improve function and how to create balance and looking for the underlying cause. So it's sort of, I see it as a Western articulation of really the Chinese medicine philosophy, but put into modern day understanding of the body. Yeah, I love that. That's such a balanced approach which really fits in with the balanced blonde blonde lifestyle. Uh So I have your book right here. And what I'm loving is I'm just kind of reading the front here where the six keys go from eating to sleeping, moving, protect, unwind, and connect. So I like that because some of these things are not necessarily what people think of when they're thinking of healing. So tell us how the inspiration of unwinding and connecting in these more Eastern philosophies. Well, the inspiration, this is what I've been doing for many, many years, a much more holistic perspective on health because it's not just about what you eat, not just about going to the gym in the morning. It's how you sleep. It's how you relax or unwind. It's how you are in your community. Do you have support? Do you how you connect with yourself, with your community, with the earth? Um, it's how you protect yourself from all the chemicals and all the toxins out there. So it's a combination of everything. And the book is really a hundred. It's it's a way. It's a way to make health easy and simple. It's not that difficult. And it's about simple actions you do on a daily basis. What I say is the ordinary actions we do daily have extraordinary healing effects. So having a cat, like you have a cat, is healing. It is. Taking a walk in nature is healing. Listening to music. When I walked in, there was music playing. Mm-hmm. It's healing. But we don't really associate with those things, those ordinary things we do every day with healing. And to me, all of those things have, can have, if it's done appropriately, a beneficial effect on our health. Yeah, I agree. I mean, having had said my cat has changed my life in so many ways. Sure. Snuggle with him and slow down and yeah. be reminded what's really important. I know that you would say everything goes back to the gut and that's such an interesting principle, and also I completely agree. So let's talk a little bit about the gut microbiome, protecting it and keeping it happy. Okay. So the gut is something that's interesting. In Chinese medicine, it's the earth element. It's the center. You always get taught in Chinese medicine, when the earth element is off, then everything's off. And now we know, even from a scientific perspective, that your gut and the microbiome in particular is a key to healing because the microbiome, I'm sure all your listeners know, is this collection of trillions of bacteria that are in in your gut. Actually, you have a microbiome in your mouth, in your armpits, vaginally, all over your body. Different organs have different microbiomes, but the one in your gut and on your skin as well, one in your gut is probably the most important of all of them. Unfortunately, what's happened in our 
culture and your generation is suffering the consequences because my generation of doctors gave you kids too many antibiotics when you were younger for acne, for sinus impregnable, you know, ear infections, whatever it was. I see so many young women. Me included. (laughs) Right. Young women like you who had too many antibiotics as kids and when you take an antibiotic, it doesn't only kill the bacteria that they're trying to kill, but it kills a lot of the good bacteria in your gut. And as I said earlier, your gut has trillions and trillions of bacteria. Most of them are good guys and doing, you know, performing important functions in your body. And when you kill those, you lose those functions and you get an overgrowth of other types of bacteria and yeast that create all sorts of problems in the body. And when that starts happening, it can damage the lining of the gut. And the lining of the gut is, in most parts, just one cell thick. It's very, very thin. So when you damage that lining, a lot of the toxins and the byproducts of food breakdown go through this very thin wall into your bloodstream and then to the rest of your body. And that can lead to skin problems Mm -hmm. like you have, joint problems, aches and pains, it can lead to autoimmune diseases, which are very common and it's often coming from the gut. Gut problems can lead to anxiety, sleep problems, even hormone problems, all sorts of problems. So if you don't treat your gut, you can eat whatever diet you want. It's not really going to get better. Obviously, you still want to avoid the sugar and the crap, but it's important to um, heal your gut for most of these issues. So what I see, which is what I saw with you, that's why I started giving you a lecture. (laughs) And I'm glad you did. You know, a lot of people think, for instance, plant-based diets are healthy, which they could be for a lot of people. But if you eat, if you have an imbalance in your gut and there's an overgrowth of yeast, which I think you have, and you start eating too much fruit or too many beans, (laughs) that feeds the yeast. So I'm not saying fruit or beans are necessarily unhealthy. But for you, Jordan Younger, (laughs) in March 2018, it's unhealthy. It may be fine for you in six months. I I don't know. I hope so. But at this stage, it's not doing you any good to eat those foods. So, you know, there's always a time for a therapeutic diet to heal what's going on with someone. And in in your case, it would be to be on a very low-sugar carb diet, just a yeast-free type of diet to get over what you have and use appropriate herbs and supplements to kill the bad guys, support, you know, inoculate or give good bacteria and at the same time try and heal the lining of the gut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. And it's so interesting because I only so just... The proof will be in the pudding. It will okay, be. We'll see. I know. So in, in three months' time, you can tell your audience if you're better or not. I know. Well, there'll be everyone listening who's been following me closely will be just like shaking their heads because I just went plant-based again about three months ago. Before that, like I was telling you, I was very paleo, ketogenic. And then I was trying so hard to just listen to my body, slow down, give myself what I needed, started eating fruit again and trying to get rid of this fear of fruit because I was always so fearful of the sugar and that was tough mentally. Yeah. So, well, I think you've got to be careful. You don't want to 
food is a tricky thing. With uh, you know, the last thing I want to do is make you fearful of any food. I know. So it's not about creating anxiety around food. It's about understanding what's going on in your body and understanding that fruit may not be the best thing for you now. It's not that you should be scared of fruit. So you could theoretically changing your diet is not going to be as effective for you now unless you clean out your gut. You know, we may need to give you strong, you know, we're starting with herbs, but we may need to give you stronger, some maybe some drugs even. I don't know yet. But the point is it's very hard to find out what the right diet is for you now when your whole microbiome is so out of whack. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So would you say stress plays a big role in people's gut microbiome? Yeah. I think stress plays a big role in everything, and I, I don't think stress is causing this. I think you need to understand that the gut is also called the second brain, and there's a highway, there's Route 10. What is it? Where did I came from? Oh, yeah, you did. 10? You came on so, the 10. So there's a, there's a direct highway going from your gut to your brain, and when your gut is off, it produces these neurotransmitters that can affect your mood, can give you anxiety and depression can affect your sleep. So your emotional state may very well be from your gut. You know, we always assume that the stress is from, you know, boyfriends or whatever it is that's causing the problem that's then causing the gut. But often it's the other way around. The problem is actually starting in the gut. You have more serotonin, for instance, which is your anti your, your happy chemical produced in your gut than in your brain. 70 to 90% of it is in your gut. So a lot of times anxiety and depression is coming from an imbalance in the gut. Mm. So yes, stress can make things worse. Um, and it does make things worse. But, you know, sometimes we, we, we think it's just stress because we don't know what's going on. But stress may be actually stemming from the gut. So it's a two-way highway. It's going both ways. That makes but a lot of sense. it's not just going from your brain to your gut. Yeah, yeah. And that probably causes the insomnia that I have that's pretty bad and yeah. lots of other things. Yeah, because you've got to get your gut right. Exactly. Yeah. So let's talk about sugar. Sugar, Sugar's I know, has a devil. whole chapter in your book. Thank you. I agree. We just started a sugar detox in my Facebook group that I was telling you uh -huh. about. So by the time this episode comes out, we'll be three or four weeks into it. Uh -huh. So tell us, what's the science of how sugar breaks down in our body? Well, the, the problem with sugar is it's um, the many problems with sugar, and we all eat too much sugar. I think if we eat just a little bit of sugar, probably fine. But some for someone like you, sugar is really a problem. So sugar is a problem for a couple of reasons, one of which is it's going to stimulate a cascade of hormones, which is going to cause you to put on weight, affect your other sex hormones. The increase in insulin from too much sugar will cue your body to store fat. So there's a whole hormonal cascade caused by eating too much sugar. But also, the sugar affects your microbiome and feeds the bad guys in your gut. So you have a double whammy. And for someone like you and for most people, having too much sugar and too many foods that turn into sugar, especially when their gut is off, can create all sorts of problems. You probably also get a bit puffy. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so if I had to choose in the top five tips that I would say, if you want to really change your life radically, stopping or cutting down radically on sugar would be right up there. Does that include foods that break down as sugar in the body, like grains and other things? Well, for someone like you, yes, at the moment. But maybe for someone who's young and healthy and metabolizing the sugar properly and metabolizing the carbs properly, it may be fine. As you get older, and I talk about this in the book, your capacity to metabolize the carbohydrates decreases. So as I got older... I was eating a whole, lots of whole grains and fruits, sort of eating your diet, and I became pre-diabetic. And it was, you know, the, the diet that I thought was healthy at the time many years ago, so it's low-fat, lots of whole grains, lots of fruits, lots of vegetables, very little meat, hardly ever had meat and some fish, sort of a pescatarian type of diet. And, it, you know, I was also putting on some weight and becoming puffy, and I thought, well, I'm just getting older and, until I measured my blood and I realized what the problem was, it was a major wake-up call. Then I started eating a very low-carb diet and everything corrected. Well, I lost the weight, my numbers got better, and I felt much better. So the problem with these diets is they slowly happen over time, so you don't realize the changes because they're not ha- happening acutely often. Mm. So, so sugar is the devil, Carbs, I'm not saying are the devil, you know, refined carbs, definitely, but a lot of the grains can be a problem for people. I think gluten's a problem for everyone. I do think for a lot of people, grains are also a problem. For you now, you need to be on basically a diet of protein and vegetables. I can make that work. I'm going to make that work. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to make that work. I will just reincorporate fish and as you can see, I have all these veggies here yeah, so in the kitchen, yeah, recently it's about, roasted. It's not about, I don't want anyone, I don't want to make you scared of food. Yeah, well, that's important because very, as somebody very, who, very important. So, somebody who's had an eating disorder because I was so well, afraid of anything yeah, that wasn't a very careful. Yeah. So um, you just got to be smart about it. Well, I can do that. And especially you with helpful guidance, okay. I'm going to. So I just flipped to this page in your book, Tame the Tech Beast. Yeah. So tell us what's the correlation between the technology that we're addicted to uh-huh. and our health? Well, technology is almost like sugar. It's an addiction. So the addiction that you have to, you know, I think the sugar industry and the tech industry are almost as bad as each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of benefits from tech, but... When you are addicted to it, it becomes a problem. When you have to look at your how many likes you have on Instagram or whatever. I know. When you have to, when your life is run by the ting of your texting and whatever, that's a problem. When you have to, when you can't sit and have a decent conversation with someone and you have to keep looking at your phone, that's a problem. When you can't be in you know, sitting around the table or whatever it is without your phone, that's a problem. So the addictive qualities of technology are a major problem, especially for your generation. And I think people need to be aware of it. And I'm not saying it's all bad. There's a lot of good things about technology, but you need to 
not let it control your life. You need to be in control. Yeah, I like that. I couldn't possibly agree more. I think I'm personally very addicted, especially having a career in social media. And I've seen it affect my health. And you have this statistic here in your book saying the average American child between 8 and 18 is in front of a screen for seven hours each day. I mean, so many of us are. It's a problem. So I, you know, we, I see it in my practice. You know, I've, I'm 63 years old. I've been doing this a long time. So I see it with your generation, more and more problems with young people with ADD or, you know, your, your insomnia may be related to your not getting off your phone or your screen at night, all the blue yeah. light from that. So you just got to be careful. It's not, that's actually very good for you too. Oh, um, really? Yeah. So um, we'll talk we can about, talk about that. that too. So I think technology you need to be smart about. I'm not a, I think technology, like most, you can't let it control you. Otherwise mm-hmm. it's an addictive, it becomes addictive and then it's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. I think breaking that addiction is very important. So just to interrupt this conversation with Frank for a brief minute, I wanted to tell you about Sunbasket, which I am absolutely loving. If you don't already know about Sunbasket, they deliver delicious meal kits right to your door, making healthy cooking easy and convenient for any busy lifestyle, anyone on the go. I know we can all relate They have organic produce and clean ingredients delivered right to your door, which is, you know, incredibly important in my book. I don't touch anything that's not organic and completely clean. They have so many different healthy options to choose from every single week, including different categories like paleo, gluten-free, lean and clean, and vegan. I usually go with the vegan because you guys know that I've been plant-based for a while and I'm just all about mindful eating. It's a completely essential part of healthcare. We know that every single part of our life is enhanced when we eat nourishing, healthy meals, but it can be kind of hard to maintain. So Sunbasket offers 18 weekly recipes with all of those different categories that I mentioned, and they take care of all of the details. So I'm very excited for you guys to try it. They work with the best farms, the best suppliers. They bring fresh organic produce and responsibly raise meats and seafood, if that's what you're ordering, right to your door. Everything is pre-measured and very easy to prep. You can get a healthy and delicious meal on the table in 30 minutes. So there's something for every single health journey and every single lifestyle. Go to sunbasket.com slash blonde to learn more and get $35 off of your first order. That is sunbasket.com slash blonde for $35 off sunbasket.com slash blonde. For everyone listening, we have his book here. So I just keep looking through it because there's so many beautiful pages and illustrations and art in here. Um, But we turn to a page about, is this bone broth here? Let's talk about bone broth. and So bone broth is perfect for you. Because bone broth is something that can actually help with the healing of your gut. So someone like you should be dreaded. I'm sure in LA you get lots of bone broth places. Totally. So bone, I'm a huge fan of bone broth. 
So, you know, bone broth not only has really great nutrients for your skin, and actually there's, I actually have a whole page on how to make your own bone broth here, yeah? and I have some nice yeah. recipes from a famous chef in New York, Marco Canaro, who started Brodo, which is a famous bone mm-hmm. broth place. So the book has, you know, a way to, how do you make your own and then some recipes. A bone broth for someone like you not only will help heal your gut, but the nutrients are really good for your skin too. So I'm a major, major fan of bone broth. Yeah. I'm a bigger fan of bone broth for you than juices. So you, someone like you needs to be careful of all the fruit and all the sugar in juices. Green juices may be fine for you with very, very, very low sugar, mm-hmm. and then all the taste goes out, but that's fine. But bone broth for you is more important. Okay. Well, I do love bone broth, Good. and even though I've been plant-based for a few months, I've still incorporated bone broth Good. and collagen. Good. Well, what, do you, what do you think about collagen? I'm a major fan of collagen. Yeah, Major fan. like collagen, collagen protein powders. I love collagen protein powder. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Me too. We should have sent you a great collagen protein powder, but that's good. Collagen for your base, for your shake you're making, you can make it with a collagen protein. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So how do you eat? Tell us what a day in the life of Frank Lipman's eating routine looks like. Okay. Well, for the most part, uh, probably once or twice a week, I'll won't eat breakfast, have some coffee. Intermittent fasting. uh Most days I'll have a big shake in the morning with lots and lots and lots of fat. So I'll have my my recipe of choice is chocolate whey protein um, plus coconut oil plus almond butter plus avocado plus chia seeds plus a bit of cinnamon and some coconut milk. Sounds delicious. And what else did I leave out? Yes, absolutely. And some coffee, sorry. And I put mm. coffee in there. So it's like a mocha chocolate, chocolate mocha type of yeah, flavor. Yeah, that's delicious. And I make it nice and thick, and that's my breakfast. So it's full of fat and protein. And then lunch I'll have, a, luckily we have a lot of cool places near us, but we'll basically have, I'll have some vegetables and I often have some protein in there either egg, chicken, sometimes grass fell. And if I do eat meat, I only have grass-fed and grass-finished meat. And dinner's the same thing, protein and vegetables. I eat the way you should be eating <laughs> at the moment. I can, I'm going to start doing that. Well, I'm going to Bali in a couple of weeks. I didn't tell you this. So well, Bali, the food is unbelievable. I know. I love the Where food in Bali. In Ubud. In Ubud. Mm-hmm. Have you been there before? I have, yeah. I so, so the food is great. The I know. Food is unbelievable. Do you have there. restaurant recommendations? Uh, because time, I was thinking I, I, I of vegan places. I haven't been there for so long, and I'm sure it's changed. Um, but food's not a problem there. Yeah. Well, everybody listening, if you have restaurant recommendations, let me know. Because I last time I was there was only going to the vegan restaurants, which I'll still go to. But you can, yeah, as long yeah. as it's not sugar. I mean, I'm, my fear of too much or the fear I have my experience with vegans is they tend to eat too much sugar. Mm-hmm. If you're a healthy vegan, that can be fine. Right. But you've got to be careful. That's all. Yeah, it is. It's important. Yeah. Um, and then you were saying that you eat a very high fat, low carb diet, but your wife, for example, 
doesn't do as well with the high fat. Yep. So that's an important note, I think, for everyone listening. Yeah, there's no right, one right diet for everyone. I think everyone should avoid sugar. Everyone should avoid gluten. Everyone should avoid processed foods. Everyone should avoid factory farm meats. And after that, it's, you know, most of your plate I have in the book, the perfect plate with a great visual. Yeah, there's, um, there's great visuals in this book. It's very so I impressive. Think, I think, you know, when you say you're plant-based, I think, yeah, most of your diet should be plant-based. Um, 70%, right? Yeah. That's what I so saw. There we go. But the perfect oh, plate. perfect. So most of your plate should be vegetables. So mm-hmm. what I always recommend is make your main dish vegetables and your side plate the protein. So then you have a piece of grass-fed, grass-finished meat or organic chicken or eggs or fish. fish. And then um, how much hair is the fat? And fat, yeah. So that's where, you know, it depends. I mean, I personally do better with, you know, I have no problem with fat, but my wife, for instance, she does better when she has more carbs, more a little bit. She needs a bit more fruit and a bit more beans than I do. I, I do better without the beans and the fruit. I mean, I love fruit, but fruit is nature's candy, so I have mm-hmm. as little as possible now. But she can have as much as she likes, and she does well with it. So the thing about eating a high-fat diet, it needs to be a very low carb at the same time. If you're going to eat lots of fat, you must eat very few carbs. That's the key. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense, so that you stay in that fat-burning mode. Yep, yep, and... You know, when, when people have bulletproof coffee with their butter and coconut oil in their or MCT oil in their coffee and they have a muffin with it, that's mm. the worst thing they can do. Right, not a good combo. Yeah. So we touched on this for a second, but intermittent fasting, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts? I think when we were at Revitalize, you were on a panel about intermittent fasting, weren't you? Could have been. I don't um, know. This past year, you are on a panel about... Something possible, that was but, fascinating, and but, I loved but, it. But I do, I'm a big fan of intermittent fasting. I think it's a way to control blood sugar levels. So that's good for your mitochondria to not have food for a while. You know, what's interesting with intermittent fasting, I was taught many years ago in my Chinese medicine training that um, you should rest your gut at night, and breakfast just means break fast. And you know, so what I, I actually talk about it in the book, I say eat dinner earlier and or sometimes eat dinner earlier and breakfast later because breakfast is just breaking your fast, break fast. So whether you break your fast at 8 o'clock in the morning or 12 o'clock, it's still the same thing. So I like I intermittent fast once, twice a week, sometimes depends. I'll just have a coffee sometimes and then I'll eat my first, my breakfast at 12 o'clock. I always try to eat dinner early, you know, like when you go to restaurants and all those old folks are eating dinner at five, mm-hmm. at five, That's 30, like six. me. I'm a 27-year-old old person. Okay, so that's so I think that's good to, to, to have a good 10 to 12 hours between your dinner and mm-hmm. breakfast is a good idea. And sometimes just extend it, you know, another two or four hours. So I'm a big fan of doing that. Um not and it you know it just often helps people lose a bit of weight, be sharper. I, I think it's a, a, a nice tool. It's not an essential tool, but it's a nice tool to have in your toolkit. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. 
So what do you think of water fasting? Because I've heard a lot about it for treating eczema and fibroids like I have. Well, water fasting is fine because you it needs to be um, you need to be smart about it. Why water fasting can be affected is because you're not putting foods into your system that are breaking down and then going through. So for someone like you, you're, it's not going to heal your eczema, but you may feel a bit better and your eczema may get better while you do it. But then once you start eating again and you can't water fast forever, things are going to come back. You've got to correct your microbiome. So I'm fine. I like fasting. I'm all a fan. Right. It, just, it just needs to be done intelligently and you need to understand why and why you're doing it. And if you're going to start water fasting for more than three, four days, you just need to work with someone who understands right. what's going to happen. Yeah, because yeah, I'm, I'm doing one in May, a longer uh-huh. one, but at a fasting center. Uh-huh. So I'll be supervised the uh-huh. whole time. I'm curious to see. In May. In May. Okay, so that's um, six weeks. Mm-hmm. Okay, hopefully you'll, you'll be better by then. I hope so too. It would be great if I was. So let's go into some of the questions that our listeners have for you. We asked the Soul on Fire podcast tribe on Facebook to send in some questions for Dr. Lippman, and we got a lot of good ones. Are you comfortable in my uncomfortable chairs? Sort of. Sort of. <laughs> I know. I can't wait to get a new setup. I'm okay. moving in a couple weeks, actually, with a new setup. So let's see here. We have, um, I mean, some of these are repetitive of what I've already asked you, so I just need to look for a second. We'll start with a fun one. I told you this one. Rachel Mansfield says, who is your favorite patient? I love all my patients, Rachel. <laughs> Rachel's uh, I do, the best. I adore you. We adore Rachel. Rachel's been on this podcast three times. Okay. I don't know if she told you that. No. She's great. Okay. So, oh, this hasn't been brought up. Asthma. How to cure asthma naturally and get off medication? Yeah, asthma is tricky. But asthma is usually some allergic disorder. So you've got to remove the foods that may be a problem. Once again, you've got to say so it's the sugar, it's the gluten, the dairy. It's a dairy. Dairy for skin and asthma can be a problem. I'm not necessarily against dairy for everyone. Some people tolerate dairy, but uh, someone like you shouldn't be having dairy at the moment. Mm-hmm, which I uh, don't. So, so someone with asthma, I would put them on an elimination diet to remove the foods and I'd clear out their gut. And then... You, you know, sometimes there's a whole histamine response, which is an allergic response. So you've got to sometimes give natural antihistamines, avoid foods that are high in histamine. So it's tricky. Asthma can be tricky, but can get better. My daughter had asthma when she was young, and it was, you know, foods and cats can be a big problem mm, for asthma. Yeah, that's um, sad. But asthma, you've got it's, you know, the diet is important, treating the gut, and then there's some nutrients that, you know, and then treating treating with it, watching the whole histamine response and then taking some fish oils and some magnesium can also be helpful. That's helpful. So that question was from Asia Dawn. This one is from Liz McKean. Would love to hear his tips, tips on liver health, cleanses, detoxing, etc. Sure. Look, I'm a big fan. I have my detox is actually a really good detox. Tell us about it. 
go to bewell.com and I have, uh, you know, I've been doing detoxes since the late 80s. I've been doing de- detoxes for a long time. Wow. So uh, the important thing about detox is it's um, a way, to me, detox is how do you support your body's own detoxification systems? Because your body is detoxing all the time, but it gets overloaded um, and it needs help sometimes. So detox is often a great entry point into getting healthy. So what we sort of, I can put you on my detox, but it's a type of thing that we could have started. We started on a slightly different program. A detox is really removing foods that can be pro-inflammatory and cause a problem, and then supporting the liver with nutrients and cleaning out the gut at the same time. They always, you know, there's a bit of a misunderstanding about liver nutrients and liver health and detox. I think you always got to combine cleaning out the microbiome with that at the same time because if your microbiome is out of whack and you have a leaky gut and you have these particles and toxins going through your gut, they go straight to the liver and flood your liver. So you need to combine nutrients that support the liver and uh, herbs that clean out the gut and kill bad bacteria. And that's basically what my detox does. Mm. So it's a great, when you guys are detoxing together, you should all do my cleanse. Yeah, we should. I think Rachel's done it. Yeah, she has. She's told me about it. That's another thing we can do. All of our Soul on Fire podcast tribe together after we finish the sugar detox or with it. Erica Hess has the question, are there any online food allergy tests? So food allergy testing is interesting because I think the best thing for food allergies is to do an elimination diet to remove the common foods that create problems, the gluten, the dairy, the sugar, obviously processed foods, corn, soy, and even eggs, although I'm a fan of eggs generally, but I would remove the common foods. I actually, on my site, I have a great elimination diet, or you can do my cleanse diet, but I think that's much more effective than the online food allergy testing because my experience with the food testing is it changes when your gut changes because you can be sensitive to a food at some stage and then once you clean out your gut, then that sensitivity gets better. So someone like you, for instance, if you had to do a food test now, you'd probably get different results than in two or three months' time when your gut is better. So I'm not a major fan of online food testing. I am a major fan of testing yourself by eliminating foods and seeing how you do and then reintroducing the food and then see how you feel. That's cheaper and better. Yeah, and it's very empowering to do it yourself. I love that. Everyone listening, Frank, is laughing at me because I'm Snapchatting us right now. And do you? You don't don't use Snapchat. You don't use Instagram. Be well. My health coaches do Instagram. I don't do Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's good that somebody's doing it from your team, but Um, you don't have to. Different generation. I know. It's great. You're 63. My mom is 62, I think. Uh 63. My dad's 71. Uh And he doesn't even have a cell phone or a computer. Uh So you're, you're beyond him with using technology. Okay. The next question... This is an interesting one. This is from Erin O'Leary. When you have 
hormone issues and incorporate more healthy fat and bulletproof coffee, et cetera, and your cholesterol goes up over 50 points, what else can you do to, to do the whole paleo, keto stuff without being harmful? I wouldn't worry too much about your cholesterol going up initially because sometimes it's actually even the good cholesterol going up. I wouldn't, I think it's a good idea if you've got hormone issues to do a more paleo keto type of diet. So I wouldn't worry about a high cholesterol um, and you just monitor it. I wouldn't do anything. I wouldn't, I think cholesterol is not a particularly good marker for health, but it's normal initially for your cholesterol to go up and I definitely wouldn't worry about it. I just I would see how you respond to the diet, but that's probably the right way to go if you're having hormonal issues to eat more fat. But at the same time, you need to you need to decrease your carbs. Mm. High fat and high carb is the worst thing you can do. So if you're going to eat high fat, make sure to be on a low, not to eat too many carbs at the same time. That makes sense. And then we'll just do one more of these questions. This is from Hannah Rose Friend. Autoimmunity and how to heal as naturally as possible. Right. So autoimmunity is often, but not always, but what I see probably the commonest cause of autoimmune problems I see, and I see many, many autoimmune problems, especially in young women, it's usually the problem starts in the gut. You know, autoimmune means nothing except your body's making antibodies to your own tissues. So the problem is usually starting in the gut with the leaky gut, which we talked about earlier. And so if you have an autoimmune, if you have um, Hashimoto's, for instance, autoimmune problem in your thyroid or wherever it is, the problem is not the thyroid or wherever the autoimmune problem presents, but the problem is the gut and you need to treat your gut. So to me, your skin problems are the same way I would treat an autoimmune problem. I would correct the guts. I would put, you know, I start people usually on my cleanse because it cleans out the guts. And I add things like L-glutamine, which helps heal the lining of the gut. This is all in, in my book, by the way, folks. Yeah. Repair the gut. need to get his book. I was um, just gifted it today, and I'm going to be reading the whole thing. I'm very excited. So autoimmune, often you treat the gut. Okay. So if you, especially if you've got autoimmune problems and you have gut problems, either go see a functional medicine doctor or start healing your gut. I have a whole major tip here on repair the gut. Mm-hmm, you do, with great illustrations, might I add. My question is, what's your favorite part of your book? My favorite part of it, I, I, I love the whole book. It's my, it's my fifth book. It's my favorite book because uh, it's a real how-to book. I'm really teaching people how to take care of themselves. But what's an interesting part of the book that I always forget about is this last part, um, which I think is very cool, and it is what to do when. So it's what to do when you're feeling sluggish, what to do when you want to lose weight, what to do when you're anxious and overwhelmed, what to do when you feel bloated and gassy. So the common problems that I see when you're tired, the common problems I see in my practice, I have tips, I have a whole sort of basic protocols on what people need to do, what bloods they should get tested, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I, I don't know if this is my 
favorite part, but I think it's going to be a lot of people's favorites part. Yeah, it's easy, it's quick, people, it's helpful. People want to know what to do when they can't poop. Yeah, right. What to do when you're constipated. So, um, Trifola. Yep. I'm just reading as we go along. So um, I love the book. I just think it's it's healthy living made simple. It's about creating daily habits and incorporating daily actions in your life that can help make you feel healthy and heal your body. So I would recommend everyone gets the book. Me too. Yeah, you guys. It's just I've made it simple and it sort of was written initially for millennials because most people don't have the time um, to to work out what's going on. You know, I get asked in my uh, practice all the time. They, They come in and they say, Doc, you know, just tell me what to do and how to do it. I don't have time to understand why I need to do something. Just tell me what mm-hmm. to do and how to do it. And that's what this book is all about. Yeah. Um, it's a book for our times. It is. It's really amazing. It is a book for our times. This is, a, this is cool. Yeah, this is cool. I know I'm very, like, impressed by all of the visuals in the book. The it's visuals really are fantastic. Beautiful. It's very, yeah, very inviting. Yeah. yeah, it is. So something else we talk about a lot on this podcast is spirituality and spiritual practices. Mm-hmm. So what are your spiritual practices? Um, well, I meditate every morning. That's the first thing I do is I get up and I meditate for 20 minutes. That's what I do. Spiritual practices to me are I spend as much time as I can in nature. I'm very involved with some nonprofits. I don't know what spiritual even means in this day and age, but to me it's just about being a good person being grateful for what I have, being kind to others, being of service to others. And I suppose that's my spiritual practice, sort of not caring about the earth, not, you know, supporting companies that do good things. There's a South African, African term called Ubuntu. Ubuntu means what makes us human is the humanity we show each other. I try to practice Ubuntu as much as I can. I'm far from perfect, but I try and do my best. Yeah, those are amazing. So you said you're not sure what spiritual means in this day and age. To me, it means exactly everything that you just said. So being kind to others, having being one with nature, being good to ourselves, and just treating everyone as we would want to be treated. Exactly. That's amazing. So we will finish off with a couple of the rapid fire questions that I ask everyone who comes on the podcast. And this one's interesting because so many people look up to you. You're a teacher for so many. Who are some of your teachers, people who you look up to? Well, my teachers are Ephraim Korngold and Herod Beinfeld, my initial Chinese medicine teachers who made me see the world through different lenses and they have been extremely instrumental in the way I think. So they wrote the seminal book on Chinese medicine between heaven and earth, uh, guide to Chinese medicine. It's, and they, I'm still very close to them. They live in San Francisco. Um, the other very important person in my life has been my yoga teacher, Lindsay Clinnell. These are all, these are much older. They're 10 years older than me. He is an, I, you know, 
Iyengar teacher trained by Iyengar, and he's been like my mentor for many, many years. And the last person I would say would be my wife, who's been, we've been married for 38 years, uh, actually 39 almost. And she's been everything. And so those would be my teachers. And then I would say the other teachers for me, which I can't ignore, have been my daughter and your generation. I think in my patients, I learn a lot from my patients. And I, I think the millennials are fantastic. I love that they question authority. I love that they like transparency. I love that they want to do it their own way. So I love to see all of this happening. But um, I don't want to ignore, I've learned a lot from just seeing thousands and thousands of patients and learning to see how people respond to life changes. Yeah. I love that. What is your favorite workout? Riding my bicycle outside. Used to be yoga, but now I'm addicted to my bicycle. Really? Yeah. Do you ride in New York? Yeah, in the fire, in the woods. Yeah. Oh, where's the woods that you go to? In on Long Island, uh, in Hamptons. Oh, that's yeah. so nice. Yeah. If you were a color, what color do you feel best represents your energy? Probably bluish purple. Yeah, which yeah. you're totally wearing uh-huh. right now. Why? I don't know. I've always I like blue. I'm not sure. Blue is the color of healing. Uh-huh. And you're a healer. Amazing. And finally, since this is the Soul on Fire podcast, what sets your soul on fire more than anything? To affect change in the system. I've always, um, I think the medical system has to change. The culture has to change. We're doing things. We're not doing things very badly. There's too much suffering and dis-ease in the culture and society, and it's unnecessary. And uh, our passion is to change it, to, to make people realize that it's not that hard to get healthy. you just got to change bad habits into good habits. I love it. So inspiring. Well, you're so inspiring to me. I've only met you a couple hours ago officially, although I've followed your work for a while. And you've already helped me so much. So thank you. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. Let's tell everyone where they can find you. We, t- we touched on it, but your website, your book. Um, website is, yeah, just go to bewell.com. And uh, the book should be everywhere. When, when is this podcast coming out? This is going to come out either a couple days after your book launches or like a week after your book okay. launches. So just go to bewell.com and there'll be a link to the book or go to Amazon and Buy the book. It's a great book, guys. Yeah, How to Be Well. I'll be sharing a lot of my favorite parts of it on Instagram and my blog and stuff. So you guys can check that out too. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode with the incredible Dr. Frank Lippman. I am so happy that you guys all got to soak in his knowledge, that I got to soak in his knowledge because ultimately knowledge is power. We are so 
so empowered to be able to learn from Frank and from other functional medicine doctors. I think it's so important to integrate Western with Eastern and just do whatever makes us feel the best and the healthiest. And if you suffer from health problems like I do, then it's even more pertinent to learn this information. So listening to this episode was a gift to yourself from you. So give yourself a hug, a pat on the back. It's pretty amazing. And be sure to enter our giveaway for Frank's book, How to Be Well. Head over to iTunes to rate and review this podcast. Email me a screenshot to jordan at thebalancewand.com and I will enter you. So thank you so much for being here. You guys are amazing. I'm sending huge love from Bali and cannot wait to keep on connecting. I love you guys.